This is Sermon 13 in the series by Christopher Love on calling and election. 2 Peter 1 verse 10 Wherefore the rather brethren give all diligence to make your calling and election sure. In the prosecution of this subject you you may remember the last doctrine I drew forth was this that Christians should put forth a great deal of diligence to make this sure to their souls that they are eternally elected by God the Father. In the handling of which I have shown you first what election is, second, that the people of God may make sure their own election, though done from all eternity. I come now to show how the people of God may be assured in their own hearts that they are eternally elected. And here to compass this knowledge or assurance of our election I do not only carry it so far as the papists do that say you have you may have a persuasion which they call fides conjecturalis a conjectural faith or hope that you may be saved but will not come up so far as the words of my text to be sure of it. Now, should a man use no more than the words of the text in that it is pressed as a command, it is an argument that it may be made sure to a man's own self. For no man is bound to an impossible thing, and in that it is a thing required to be assured of our election. The scripture would never oblige our obedience to that which is impossible in itself. I do not drive drive so far only, but farther. What should an elect man do to be certainly persuaded that he is eternally elected by God to obtain life and salvation. I am now handling a doctrine to be trembled at while you are attending to it. And in the resolving this query, you must take this rule that you cannot get assurance by ascending into God's decree, but by descending into your own hearts, searching them by the word, whether those saving effects which God doth work in an elect person be wrought in your souls or no. And that is the way to come to a sure and certain knowledge of your election. The knowledge of your election is not attainable by ascending into God's decree for who hath made you his counselors. Nor is it enjoined you by way of revelation. That is an unsure ground and you may run into enthusiasm as well as persuasion about your election it is not done by revelation neither against nor without the word whatever testimony there is if it come not from the word you may suspect it to be a delusion now the safest way though I know much cried down for you to go by in searching whether you are in the number of God's elect is to search into your own hearts whether those things be wrought in you which are wrought in those whom in those whom God hath elected to life and salvation. And here I shall content myself with the naming of six saving effects. First, every man that is elected sooner or later shall be effectually called and savingly converted by the power of the word. This the apostle lays down first Thessalonians one, four and five knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. How shall this be known? Verse 5, For our word came not to you in word only, 
but in power and in the Holy Ghost. That is, our gospel did not come in word only to affect your ears and rest there, but our word came with power, being backed with the operation of the Spirit for your conversion. This work all men that are elected sooner or later must come under to have the power of the word come with authority upon conscience for his effectual calling. So in Romans 8.30, whom he predestinated, whom he appointed to life, them he called. And therefore, beloved, whoever you are, if you live and die without having the power of the word to pass upon your soul for your effectual calling, you may lay your hearts under this conclusion that you are not elected by God to obtain life and salvation. For whom he hath predestinated, them he calls. Secondly, a man that is elected by God to life sooner or later, God will sanctify him by renewing and regenerating grace. And this is only different from the former in degree, for calling is sanctification begun. Now when God's elect uh, man, when God elects a man, he does not only begin the work of grace, but he carries it on in a course of sanctification. And of this you read in Second Thessalonians 2, 12 and 13, we are bold to give thanks to God always for you, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. <clears throat> if God hath from the beginning chosen a man to salvation, the Lord doth it through sanctification, not for sanctification, as the papists say, or for faith foreseen. But it is though it as means as a means whereby we are brought to salvation, sanctification shall run through our lives as water through a channel. So first Peter one two, they that are elected according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by Christ through sanctification. And so second Timothy two twenty one therefore beloved if men live and die and have not the power of sanctifying grace upon their hearts and consciences and working in their lives, doubtless those men are not elected because this you see clearly that at one time or other God will work this in such men. Jude 4. Thirdly, men elected by God to life and salvation shall sooner or later be brought into a state of believing. Acts 13.48 as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. No man that is ordained to eternal life but shall be brought to a believing estate. And therefore men living and dying in a, in a state of unbelief are not elected. Hence you read Titus 1.1, 1, 1, it is called the faith of God's elect. Implying that all that are elected before they die shall have faith. And none shall have faith, but only they. And therefore, in a peculiar manner, called the faith of God's elect, appropriated only to them. Fourthly, that a man that is elected sooner or later before he dies, God will work in his heart a special delight in and an entire love to the word preached. This you have expressed in John 8:47. He that is of God heareth God's word. Therefore ye are not of God, because ye hear not his words. To be of God, that is to belong to God by election, 
Now he that is of God, God will in time make him hear his word with delight and love. But he that takes no delight therein is not elected of God. 1 John 4, 5 and 6. Fifthly, the Lord will sooner or later work in the heart of an elect man love to the people of God and compassion to those who are not the elect and chosen ones of God. Colossians 3.12 Put on as the elect of God bowels of mercy and loving kindness. The apostle there by the manner of phrase doth seem to intimate thus much put on as the elect of God etc. as if it were a thing ordained to and inseparable from an elect man after his effectual calling that he should have bowels of mercy towards those that are not called and that he should have loving kindness towards those that are called. For a man that is once elected and hath the execution of that decree in effectual calling, it is proper to him to have bowels of mercy. Sixthly, God will sooner or later work an elect man into a new course of living and obedience from what he had in times past. 1 Peter 1.2 You are elected according to the foreknowledge of God through sanctification to obedience. That though you were disobedient before, serving diverse lusts, yet God, if he hath chosen you, will bring you in a course of obedience. Romans 8.29 He hath predestinated us what to do, that we might be conformable to the image of his Son. God intends that the person whom he chooses to life should be conformable to Jesus Christ and that he shall live another manner of life than before. That though he hath uh, formerly been subject to sin and Satan, yet then he shall walk in ways of obedience to Jesus Christ. Thus having uh, briefly finished these heads, I have only four or five cautions to lay down to bound what has been said within the limits of truth. First, take notice that these six defects do not extend to children who die while they are children, but to men and women that are grown in years. A child that cannot act reason as he is a child cannot have any of these particulars wrought in him, at least in a way and manner of men of years have. A child, as it is an infant, hath not conversion in that way that a man hath, though it hath somewhat equivalent to it as somewhat like sanctification and somewhat like that faith men of years have. But what it is and how wrought man cannot determine. In pressing of this, therefore, I say it doth not extend to children who die in their infancy, but only to men come to years of discretion. If they live and die without having these six defects, they may conclude they uh, cannot be elected without having these six effects. Secondly, that the want of these six particulars for a time is no argument of a man's non-election. But before conversion, which is God's first dealing with a sinner, an elect man may be as vile and as bad as any wicked man alive. As the Apostle Paul tells us in Titus 3.3, 3, 
In times past, we, we were also disobedient and served diverse lusts and lived in pleasure and excess. And so Timothy 1.12. So that the want of this for a time is no argument of a man's non-election, for then it would follow a man unconverted is no elect man, which would cross the whole tenor of Scripture. But a man living and dying without these does not belong to the election of grace. Thirdly, I do not press the having of these effects actually if you have them habitually. My meaning is this. A man may be elected and yet may not act anything answerable to the effectual calling or act with any delight and love to the word or anything in a way of sanctification. Yet if if you have these habitually in the habit of them, these may be testimonies or evidences of election. Fourthly, I do not press the having of these effects sensibly to be an, an evidence of election. If so be, you have them really. There are many men have these really when they have them not in their own apprehension. Fifthly, I do not press the having of these effects gradually so that you have them sincerely. My meaning is this, that a man may be elected, yea, and he may not only be chosen in God's eternal decree, but the execution of that decree may be passed upon him that he may be effectually called and yet he may not have all these six effects in a great measure in the highest degree yet he may have them sincerely and so be a pledge to his own heart of his eternal election and thus having finished this third query I come now to enter upon another depending upon the former which indeed is a very dreadful subject and a point to be trembled at while it is handling. And that is this. What the probable guess may be given of a man that he is not within the compass of God's election? This is a very high point and must be handled with a great deal of seriousness and sadness. It being a point concerning the salvation or damnation of all men upon the earth. And therefore I would entreat you to look about you. God's decrees, they are in heaven. And it is only a real work of grace upon your hearts on earth that can give you evidence that those decrees are for good to you. As good wrought is an evidence of God's purpose to save you, so the contrary work may be an evidence of God's purpose never to save you, but of leaving you without the compass of his eternal election. There can be nothing laid down absolutely and certainly, yet there may be many probable guesses given of the men that are not within the compass of God's election, of which I shall name but six or seven sorts. And I wish to God that none of you that are before the Lord this day have your names written in this black book, lest you have just cause to fear your names are not written in the book of life. First, that man that falls back from a course of profession to a course of profaneness without timely returning, Scripture gives a shrewd guess of such a man that he is not within the compass of God's purpose to save. I do not say every backsliding and every decaying affection, but a total and a final relapse. When a man falls and rises not again, 
when a man runs from God and returns not again, the scripture gives a guess at him that he is not within the compass of God's election. Hebrews 10:38 and 39, If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Interpreters observe that in these words there is a figure wherein there is less expressed than is intended. My soul shall have no pleasure in him. It is as much as if God should have said, My soul shall hate, or I will exceedingly hate him. But we are not of them that draw back to perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of their souls. Which words clearly import that men that draw back without returning, they draw back to perdition, to damnation, but we are not of them, saith the Apostle. And here then, beloved, doth this word fall upon any man before God this day. Hast thou left a course of strictness and fallen into a course of profaneness and looseness? (coughs) Hast thou fallen from thy God and never thinkest of returning? I shall not censure thee now, but if thou livest and diest in this estate, it is an undoubted argument that thou art not within the compass of God's decree to save. Secondly, men that do make the mercies and goodness of God as arguments to embolden them the more in sin, such men are not likely to be the persons whom God hath elected to life and glory. In the epistle of Jude 5 verse 4, it is spoken there of men that turned the grace of God into wantonness. And what saith the apostle of them? They are men ordained of old to damnation. The scripture there makes it the badge of a man ordained of old to damnation when he shall persist in this sinful temper to return to turn God's grace into lasciviousness. That is to take arguments from the grace and mercy and goodness of God to walk in ways of sin. And therefore look to it and with your hearts bewail it all you that are apt to abuse doctrines of grace. Because God is good to you you will be evil because God is merciful therefore you will be sinful if you die in this temper the scripture declares that you are the men ordained of old to condemnation thirdly a man that doth walk in a course of sin willfully with malice and knowingly against conscience and obstinately without reluctancy and persist in this and live and die thus that man is not within the compass of God's election. There is a phrase in Psalm 59.5, Be not merciful, O Lord, unto wicked transgressors. It is in some translations, Be not merciful to them that sin of wicked malice or of malicious wickedness. Now there is this rule which divines give that those prayers which were made by David, they are rather prophecies of what should be than mere prayers that this might be. As David prayed against the Jews, Psalm 69:22, that their table might be a snare to them and that they should always bow down under their burden, which was a prophecy, and they did so. And so he here prays that God would not be merciful to men that sin of wicked malice, which is as much as a prophecy that God will not be merciful to men that sin of malicious wickedness. And therefore, beloved, all you that 
so live and resolve you will die and happily do die and yet sin obstinately that let God command what he can you will do what you please let the minister say what he will you will do what you list that sin against knowledge and against conscience and without any reluctancy resolve to live and die in a course of sin the Lord be merciful to such persons for certainly there must be no Bible if such men fall within the compass of God's election fourthly that man that by living under the powerful ministry of the word is more hard in heart and worse in life if a man grows thus it is an argument he is not within the purpose of God's election Matthew 13 14 and 15 by hearing you shall hear but not understand by seeing you shall see but not perceive this people's heart is waxed gross their ears dull in hearing their eyes shut lest at any time they should see with their eyes hear with their ears understand with their hearts and be converted and I should save them here is the judgment God lays upon such sinners that they shall have eyes and not see they shall be ignorant their hearts shall wax gross they shall be incapable of taking any impression of the word upon them what's the end of all this lest they should be converted and I should save them implying that if God lets you that live under the ministry to have dark eyes and hard hearts it is an argument God hath no intent to save you and therefore his purpose is to condemn you and so John 12:40, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts lest they should see with their eyes and understand with their hearts and be converted here's laid down an act of God that God did harden their hearts and God did blind their eyes lest they should be converted implying that if men do live and die in this temper that they have lived year after year under a powerful ministry and yet they grow more blind in judgment and more profane in life and more hard in heart after 20, 30, 40 years hearing than they were before that the word doth but draw out their wickedness and makes them more profane and more to oppose godliness the Lord have mercy upon such souls for certainly if God leave you thus it is an argument he never intended to save you for the Lord doth thus with such that they might not be saved there is a passage in Romans 11:7: Israel hath, ob- hath not obtained that which he seeks for but the election hath obtained and the rest were hardened by election is meant the elected the abstract put for the concrete as often in scripture circumcision put for the circumcised and so here election put for elected the elected have obtained it what did they obtain? they obtained salvation and glory but the rest that were not elected they were hardened the Lord there makes it the badge of them that are not elected that they are a blinded people and a hardened people intimating that men that are not elected they shall live under the word and yet shall be blind in mind shall be hard in heart shall be wicked in life and the ministry of the word shall never reform them and if any of you be such oh that the Lord would make you tremble this day tremble lest you are 
not in God's thoughts to do you any good on another day. Fifthly, when God doth give up men to strong delusions, not only to believe lies themselves, but to teach lies to seduce others. When the Lord leaves them to live and die in that estate, the scripture makes it an argument of them that are not chosen by God to life and glory. You should read, therefore, in that great delusion of Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians 2, 10-12, God gave them up to strong delusions to believe lies that all might be damned that believe not the truth. It is made a brand of damnation when God shall give them over to believe lies. Though a godly man may die in a corrupt opinion, <clears throat> for every error is not a badge of damnation, but errors that are fundamental, that strike at the foundation of religions, wherein men run so far as never to repent of their error, that, the scripture, makes the badge of a man whose soul is in a world of danger. Read that text, Second Peter 2, 1-3. There were false prophets among the people, like as there shall be false teachers among you. And who are they? Verse 2, they shall deny the Lord that bought them. They shall bring in damnable heresies. Every error is not a heresy. But these men shall bring in damnable heresies, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. Now what is their censure? Whose judgment now of a long time lingers not, and their damnation slumbers not. Their damnation was not asleep, but for a long time damnation did attend them, and they were in danger of it. So that, beloved, it is a great danger for men to be patrons of error, especially when they are gross and palpable, and when in scripture language they may be called damnable heresies. It is an argument of men live and die thus that they are not within the purpose of God's counsel to do them good. Sixthly, men that live and die in a continual spurning and opposition against the gospel and word of God powerfully preached, it is a dreadful sign. They are not within the compass of God's election. First John 4, 5 and 6, You are not of God, for you hear not his word. And so John 12, He that heareth the word is of God, but you hear not his word. Therefore you are not of God. Therefore you belong not to him. But more pregnant to this purpose is that place in Acts 13, 46 to 48, it was necessary the word of God should first have been spoken to you but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life lo we turn to the Gentiles now compare this with verse 48 and when the Gentiles heard this they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed the opposition lies thus as many as God purposed to save they glorified God for his word and they rejoiced and were glad in his word. But those that were not decreed to salvation, they put off from them the word of the Lord. They spurned at it and opposed it and could not endure the word of the Lord. Therefore the text saith, the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and they raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. It was said to Amaziah in Second Chronicles 25.16, by this I know that the Lord has purpose to destroy thee, because thou hast not hearkened to my counsel. Thus you see the scripture makes it the badge of a man that doth not fall within the compass of God's election 
to bring him to life and glory, to live and die in opposition to the word of God. And seventhly, and this we may speak more confidently and positively, that that man is not within the compass of God's election who sins the sin against the Holy Ghost. Matthew 12:32. he shall neither be forgiven in this life nor in the life to come. This is an unpardonable sin. 1 John 5:16. Now I know there are many men who confine this sin only to the Pharisees as, as if they were the only ones guilty of it. There are others that say this sin is seldom committed and so many divines speak favorably of it. But beloved, I'm persuaded this sin is oftener committed than most men in the world dream of. And many men are plunged into this sin that think well of their own souls. The sin against the Holy Ghost is only this. There's a willful and deliberate act in, in a professor of religion whereby he doth not only fall from his profession, but he runs into a course of sin knowingly against conscience, obstinately against counsel, and maliciously against Jesus Christ. This is briefly a description of this sin. <clears throat> now, I am persuaded there are many in the world that have professed religion that are, if not in this sin, yet at the very next door to it. And if a man be gone this far, this is called in Scripture a sin unto death. A sin which if a man fall into, he may be sure that he shall be damned. But thus I have in brief given you an, an account of these seven particulars whereby every man may give a guess in his own thoughts whether he be within the purpose of God's election unto salvation or no. I have now from this sad doctrine only a few comfortable positions to lay down and so conclude. First, that though these particulars may give you a guess of those that are not within the compass of God's election, yet no man is bound to make this sure to himself that he is not elected. You are bound to make your election sure, but you are not bound to make your reprobation sure. These heads I have given out not to make any godly man question his election, but to startle wicked men who live quite contrary and opposite to the elect of God. Second, that a man may come very nigh to the worst of these sins and yet may be an elected man. We were, saith Paul, sometimes disobedient, deceived, and served divers lusts. Titus 3.3 3. And Ephesians 2.2 2. In times past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the power of the prince of the air who worketh mighty, mightily in the children of disobedience. In times past you were children of wrath as well as others. In times past, before calling, you may come very near to these evils yet be within the compass of God's election, provided that you do not live and die in those evils. For if so, there is no hope of mercy. Three, that for men to question their election, merely because they do not find the saving effects of election in their hearts and lives, is rather an argument of their being than of their not being elected. Because men not elected, they never look after their election to make it sure. They will trust all upon the mercy of God and grace of God and never look after holiness. Sin never troubles them. Profaneness never grieves them. Want of holiness perplexes not them. 
The questioning, therefore, of your election arising from the evils of your conversation is rather a sign that God hath chosen you to life and glory. For election, it runs oftentimes to those that are the worst sort of men in the world. Election runs to them that have been worst in their lives before they were called. Thereby, God magnifies the riches of his grace. Election passes by civil, honest men and ingenious, temperate men and commonly runs to men that have been scandalous, loose, atheistical, profane livers before they were called. Matthew 21:31, Whores and harlots shall come to heaven before you. Manasseh, that was a cruel murderer and idolater, yet election ran to him. Mary Magdalene, a common strumpet, out of whom Christ cast seven devils, yet election ran to her. Rahab, and harlot. Paul, a persecutor, a blasphemer, a man injurious to the saints. Yet in Acts 9.15, he was a chosen vessel unto God and obtained mercy. God, to magnify the riches of his free grace, lets election run to the worst of men that are in the world. And this should be great comfort to you, though you have been drunkards, though you have been Sabbath breakers and adulterers, and though you have been profane, Yet if you can but now close with Jesus Christ and look after heaven. If you can but now mourn over your condition and repent of your former failing and come in to Jesus Christ. Election hath run unto men as bad as you and though you may be now <coughs> men profane in your lives, yet you may be objects of God's election. Please stand with me for prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this uh, wonderful doctrine that we find in thy scriptures that is given unto us and our children. Not the secret things, but the things which are revealed belong unto us. And we might look unto these things which are revealed both in thy word and in our lives, that we might look to make our calling and election sure. And that thy grace is not dependent upon our foreseen good works. It's such a tremendous benefit. For we know what our hearts are like. And we know what our works would be. Except that thou did overtake us with thy grace. And that thou had purpose from all eternity to write our names in thy book of life. We pray that thou would... um, Bless us in this thought today and through this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn to Psalm 11. Psalters. The tune of St. Anne. Psalm 11. I in the Lord do put my trust. I in the Lord do put my trust. How is it then that ye? How is it then that ye? Say to my soul, flee as a bird. Say to my soul, flee as a bird. Unto your mountain high. Unto your mountain high.
For lo, the wicked bend their bow. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. Their shafts on string they fit. Their shafts on string they fit. That those who upright are in heart. That those who upright are in heart. They privily may hit. They privily may hit. If the foundations be destroyed. If the foundations be destroyed. What hath the righteous done? What hath the righteous done? God in his holy temple is. God in his holy temple is. In heaven is his throne. In heaven is his throne. His eyes do see, his eyelids try. His eyes do see, his eyelids dry. Men's sons, the just he proves. Men's sons, the just he proves. But his soul hates the wicked man. But his soul hates the wicked man. And him that violence loves. And him that violence loves. Snares, fire and brimstone, furious storms. Snares, fire and brimstone, furious storms. On sinners he shall reign. On sinners he shall reign. This as the portion of their cup. This as the portion of their cup doth unto them pertain. Doth unto them pertain. Because the Lord most righteous doth. Because the Lord most righteous doth. In righteousness delight. In righteousness delight. And with a pleasant countenance. And with a pleasant countenance. Beholdeth the upright. Beholdeth the upright. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. You are welcome to make copies and give them to those in need. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. It is likely that the sermon or book that you just listened to is also available on cassette or video, or as a printed book or booklet. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail 
at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle is adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important. When he says that God had commanded no such thing, and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.